You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, hello. Happy Memorial Day. So glad that you've joined us tuning in online. We are getting started this morning. Want to say happy, happy Memorial Day. Um, Today is an opportunity for us to pause and just remember Uh, all those that have uh, died in our country in the military fighting for our freedom, and we give thanks for that so much. Um, So thank you for doing that. Today's message is going to relate to that quite a bit, and uh, before I get started, I want to share with you kind of this funny joke I heard recently. I heard about this mother uh, one Sunday morning. She went into her son's bedroom, and she said, son, wake up. It's time to go to church. And he kind of groaned and rolled over and said, no, mom, I'm not going to church today. She said, what do you mean you're not going? Why not? He said, mom, I'll give you two good reasons. Number one, I don't like those people. Number two, they don't like me. She said, son, that's no excuse. I'll give you two better reasons why you should go. Number one, you're 59 years old. Number two, you're the pastor. (laughs) Oh, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. I love to get out of bed. I love to come serve and teach. And even though I am not with you physically, I'm with you spiritually today, Lord willing. So, hey, we're so glad that you have joined us. So today what I want to do is we get going is I want to remind you of the importance that we have uh, just to remember that we are all in this thing together. This COVID crisis is this challenging reality. And as we think about service and sacrifice, which by the way, that has been the, the key hallmarks of this whole church and how we got started and what we've been doing over the years. We're coming up on eight years of a celebration as a church and this September and Lord willing, by the, that time, everybody will come back and we'll be real excited about uh, gathering. People have asked, when are we going to gather? We've said sometime this summer. So if you want more information on that, you're going to have to go uh, uh, online and see the email as well uh, about that. But today what I want to do is I want to take just a minute to remind you of kind of uh, the heroicism of in, uh, in American culture as we look at um, this day, this Memorial Day. I think back of a U.S. Army soldier that was killed in action. In 2002, Pat Tillman left a f- successful football career with the Arizona Cardinals to join the U.S. Army. He turned down that year uh, a three-year, $3.6 million contract with the Arizona Cardinals so that he could li- enlist and serve his country. Before starting his military service, Tillman married his high school sweetheart, and then he's off. And then he was killed in action in Afghanistan in 2004. He's a hero for our state and our country. In addition to receiving the Purple Heart, the Silver Star Medals from the military, Tillman's numbers from the ASU Sun Devils and Arizona Cardinals were retired in his honor. In May of 2010, he was chosen to be induced into the College Hall of Fame. During June of that same year, the NFL and the Pat Tillman Foundation joined forces to create the NFL Tillman Scholarship to honor an individual who exemplifies Pat Tillman's enduring legacy. 
Um, the reality is, is that we honor those who serve and sacrifice. And that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at uh, the incredible, the greatest example of service and sacrifice and in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We're looking at John chapter 15. If you've got your Bible, you can open it up or you can follow along. But it's John chapter 15. Let me set the context. This is the scene, this is Thursday night. Uh, Jesus has already performed his public ministry and it's come to a close. Now he's with his closest disciples. Originally it was the 12 and, and it's Thursday night, the night before Friday, he's going to be crucified. This is hours, hours of time together that he's spending with his disciples to share some lasting words of encouragement. He knows the cross is coming. He knows death is very near. And he knows that he has, was born to die, to be a sacrifice so that we could find freedom from our sins. And we see this in the life of Jesus Christ, these intimate moments in the closing chapters in John chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16. It's been called the uh, Last Supper in the Upper Room Discourse. And this reminds me of the times that I've had, even with folks in our church, when they're preparing to transition from this earth to heaven in their last hours, in their last time, they invite just a few family members or a friend, and they invite oftentimes a chaplain or a pastor to be with them in those last hours. And those words, those, those moments together are incredibly crucial because it's perhaps the most important uh, lessons that we can learn from one's life. And in this section of scripture that we're going to read today, we're going to find the greatest lessons, the greatest contributions of the greatest leader that ever lived, the greatest sacrifice that was ever made. And we look at the life of Jesus Christ. He says this to his disciples, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father, in my name, he may give it to you. These things I've commanded you so that you will love one another. Jesus calls his disciples to a life of service and sacrifice. He gives an example and he gives exhortations uh, just the night before his death to his disciples. What are these uh, important points? I would say the first is this, is realize that Jesus lays down his life. Jesus is the ultimate example, but in doing this, the, the, the scripture says is that he lays down his life. And what does this mean? That he would lay down his life. It means that he literally is predicting his death, that he is going to die. And he says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life. Now in the Greek mindset, that heroic act would have been very popular. It was popular within the Greco-Roman world for a friend to be willing to lay down their life for another. Not so much in Judaism. 
uh, not as much. That ideal wasn't as popular. Um, not even perhaps even in the early Christian mindset would a, a, a friend die for another friend. So what is the point of this passage? What is Jesus trying to do? Is he trying to tell us that we need to die for our friends? Or is he trying to tell us what he has done for his friends? I think first and foremost, we need to see this as what Jesus has done. And we know at this point in time, he's predicting the greatest love. The disciples don't understand that he's going to the cross, but we have the privilege to be able to look back on history and see everything that took place. Let's look at what the scripture says in John chapter 15, verses 12 through 13. Again, it says, this is my commandment that you love one another. So he gives a commandment, love one another as I have loved you. What is he doing? He's the example. Uh, love one another as I have loved you. How did he love them? He spent time with them. He worked with them. He taught them. He cared for them. He gave uh, grace to them. He healed them. He helped them. He showed love. He, humble, he humbly obeyed uh, the Lord. He modeled that. And then verse 13 indicates the connection back to verse 12. It says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Does that mean that now he's saying, this is exactly what you need to do? You need to lay down your life? Or is he saying, I'm the example? I think it's first and foremost to understand that he is the example that he's going to lay down his life. It's the idea of atonement. Literally, contextually speaking, this is the night before his death. He's about to die a brutal death on the cross. The greatest love, is it not? is the modeled love of Jesus Christ has. And you say, well, even in the Greco-Roman world, a, a, a good person would die for another friend. But watch what Jesus does. The apostle Paul paints this picture and he says this in Romans 5, 7 through 8. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, meaning he's kind of you know, telling what's going on in the culture. It, it, it can happen, scarcely. Someone, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, meaning a good person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. So if you're good, then perhaps somebody would die for you. But verse eight, but God, but God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Sinners are enemies. Jesus Christ died not only for his friends, but he died for enemies as well. He died for those that were opposed to him. At the, on the cross, what does he say to those who spit, revile, hurt him, yell at him, taunt him? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. What separates our faith from other faiths is grace. And God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, enemies, mockers, haters, God showed his love for us in this that he died for us. The greatest love that's ever been modeled, that's ever been displayed for humans to see is the love of Jesus Christ going to the cross, not dying just for his special friends, but even for those that are his enemies. First Peter 3.18 tells us this, it's a, for Christ suffered once for sins. It's a, he didn't die multiple times. He's not continually dying. That one payment, that one death uh, is enough to forgive sins worldwide ongoingly, in, infinitely, until Jesus returns. There is this reality. Christ was told that he, we, we see that in scripture, Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, 
that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. The great Martin Luther, uh, the 16th century reformer, called it the great exchange. That Jesus Christ, absolutely sinless and absolutely righteous, made an exchange, a work on the cross for the sinful and the unrighteous. Why? So that we might have a relationship with God. So that we might have eternal life. So that we might have abundant life here and now as well. And it's this great exchange that God makes. It's what's been called by theologians uh, penal substitutionary atonement. Meaning Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins. Uh, It's God's grace that he did that. It's a substitutionary. Meaning there was a substitution while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He stood in our place. He took upon all the sins of the world, being completely uh, sinless, being completely righteous, dies for the sinful and the unrighteous. He takes the punishment that we deserved. There's an exchange that takes place. This is the gospel of God's grace. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not something that you've done. It's something that Jesus Christ has done. So when we see that he says, number one, we see sacrifice, Jesus lays down his life. And you need to know too, it's not that he laid down his life because he was being forced to. Look what it says in John 10, 18. This is his divine right. This is his divine will. This is his divine choice. He has the privilege. He has the power. He is absolutely God. He is absolutely human. He says this, no one takes it from me, but I lay down I lay it down on my accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus willingly goes to the cross, not forcefully. Jesus dies not simply for his friends, but for his enemies as well. Number two, I want you to see that we're all in this together, that Jesus calls us his disciples friends. He calls us to see the sacrifice that he's made, and that is an atonement. He's making peace with God, and there's developing a friendship, but he's also serving as an example. And Jesus, secondly, we see he calls his disciples friends. Look what it says in John chapter 15, verse 14. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. What I command you. And you think, well, that sounds conditional. It is conditional. You say, why do I mean that doesn't sound fair? Well, there's a privilege. This is not about salvation. This is about sanctification, growing in a friendship with Jesus Christ. He calls his followers friends. But you also need to understand that word friend is not the way we interpret friend. Friend in the Greek context would have meant a friend of the courts or a friend of royalty. It it means an inner circle, if you will. Uh, A friend would be uh, someone who is around a king or an emperor. And if you're a, a friend of a king, then you realize that your relationship is, is in a sense, there's an expectation that you're going to serve the king. And Jesus has already said, I, I, you're servants. And, and the apostle Paul identifies himself as a servant. Peter, the apostle Peter identifies himself as servants. We are servants. Every Christian is a servant, but we're also a friend. 
And what is that unique privilege? We have a privileged access to the Heavenly Father. We have a privileged access to Jesus. We have a privileged access to the Holy Spirit. We have a, a, a complete access and opportunity to be with him, yet at the same time, we're subject to our master. We're subject to our king. We're subject to, to who Jesus Christ is as God is Lord. And so in this condition, he's saying that it's in the natural outflow that a friend would absolutely be close and would know his secrets, would know everything about him. And Jesus says that he wants to treat us as friends. Jesus calls you as a Christian, one of his friends. And it's this idea that you're going to follow in obedience. It's this friendship, a fellowship, which means a partnership, that you're partnered with him. You see yourself as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, but yet you see yourself as a friend. You're part of that inner circle. You, everything that he hears from the Father, he says, I want to reveal to you. Uh, Jesus isn't hiding anything. Jesus is revealing himself. He's calling them this, this friendship. Uh, the Greek word is phileo, and it, it has this idea that it's this special, intimate bond and relationship. He treats us as, as friends, and yet he commands us. And you say, is that consistent in Scripture, perhaps? Yes, I think as you look at Genesis 18, 19, Abraham was God's friend, and it said, because he obeyed. A friend in this context understands that you, you, have a, you are a servant to a king, and a friend responds and obeys and follows the will of the master. And so Jesus calls his disciples to be friends. But what does this mean? This means is that we're friends with Jesus Christ and we're going to follow his order, follow his ways. But we're not going to be friends with the world. In fact, later we see in these coming chapters, in these coming uh, statements with Jesus, as he talks about, you can't be a friend of the world. If you're going to be a friend of Jesus, you're going to lose a lot of your friends and perhaps even in the world. I can remember when I first became a Christian, my friends changed because I became a follower of Jesus Christ. I told uh, my girlfriend at the time, I said, I became a Christian. And she said, what do you mean you became a Christian? I said, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And the way we're living in our relationship, it's not good. It's not godly. And we can't do it the same. And I lost that friendship. I lost so many friendships. And the reality is there's an allegiance to the friendship, a faithfulness, a fellowship, a partnership, a service, a dedication. I'm following in the commands of Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we're called to be friends with God. He says, I call you friends. I wanna, want you to encourage you to be friends. James 4.4 4 says this, do, not, do, you, do you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, that if you wanna be a friend uh, uh, be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Uh, the reality is, is that Jesus calls us to be friends. We're friends with him, but what that might cost us is that we might have to sacrifice some of our, our other friendships that are pulling us down or taking us in the wrong direction. Jesus is calling for a radical allegiance, a new formation of friendships, but he doesn't uh, leave it there. First, he, he showed us what he did. First, he says, I laid down my life for you. Then he says, I'm calling you friends. You, you know the inward workings of this. I, I'm no longer calling you servants, although you are a servant. 
And although in Christian history we see uh, we're identified as servants, but we hear from our Lord Jesus saying, you're also a friend. And we need to follow that. Now what we're going to see is not only we see what Jesus has done, now we're going to see what Jesus calls us to do. Third point is this, is that Jesus chose and appointed his disciples to go. This, this commandment, Jesus has already established himself. He's laid the foundation he, he wants you to know that we're all in this together. He said, I laid down my life. Uh, I'm the greatest example of love. And my death on the cross wasn't just for an example. It was for atonement. It was to bring you to God. And I am not only showing you I'm going to lay down my life, but I'm, I'm not only going to show you that I am uh, going to be your friend. I want you to know that I chose you and appointed you to go. Jesus does that, and it says this in John 15, 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go. And you should go and do what? And bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, and so whatever you ask in the Father in my name, uh, he may give it to you. This idea of going is a very similar to that concept in, in the great commandments. It's that uh, idea that we're to go and that we're to bear fruit. That bearing fruit is winning people to Jesus Christ. It's about being disciples who are going to show and share the love of Jesus Christ. It's about living out those commandments that he's called us to live, to, to love God and to love one another. And how do we do that? We do that by following in the example of Jesus Christ. And it's sharing the love of Jesus Christ. It's opening our mouth and sharing about that love. It's showing people that love. That bearing fruit is the idea that we are on mission together, that Jesus is saying, we're in this together. I've given you the greatest example. I'm showing you what to do. Now I'm telling you, you've got to go. You've got to go. I can think of those that have gone into um, uh, uh, terrible situations. Recently, we had a, when, um, we had a friend of mine come, uh, who's a chaplain down in New Orleans, came and visited our church and, and shared with me the horrific stories of uh, just what's going on down there. My friend Doug Daspit, and he wrote to me and, and shared with me and just the other day on a phone call as well and was just sharing about the challenges that they face and he's being challenged to go, to go into places where people are um, isolated and quarantined and have contracted this COVID-19 virus and go in there and minister um, to these individuals that are struggling. And one incident he reported, he said, in the hospital that I serve in, in the greater New Orleans area, um, on an average day, there would be maybe nine bodies in the morgue. Now we're, we, we've seen up to 40, and it's just overloaded. And he's shared with me just the horrific challenges that these uh, frontline workers are facing as a memorial service for folks that have gone through this season in corona. There is no these natural, normal rights that we normally experience where 
You, you get to have time with your family, organize a funeral. There's no time to talk with those that are being admitted into hospitals. When folks go into the emergency room, once they're contracted with the virus, oftentimes they're said, you're not going to see your family again unless they make it out and are doing well and healthy. The reality is, is the whole world has been shaken up. The global pandemic has happened. It has hit. And what I've seen is this. I've seen there are some that go straight into the challenges and they go and they share and show the love of Christ. And yet there are so many others that are ashamed and discouraged and in fear as health workers or frontline workers. And they feel great levels of discouragement because they didn't go. And perhaps they're trying to protect their family and they're ashamed and perhaps even depressed because they said, I won't go. I don't want to jeopardize it. But the call is, is for us to find some way, if we can't go physically, because that would be irresponsible or damage or hurt our family or hurt others and cause a greater uh, evil or greater wrong, then we've got to find ways to participate or contribute to make sure we go. And I want to encourage you right now, this passage is this challenge for us as a church to realize we have to go. Jesus laid down his life. Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus calls us to follow his example, to lay down our lives in a sense. Uh, Jesus says that we're friends in this, that we're all in this together. Jesus says that we've got to go and we've got to bear fruit. The greatest fruit that we could ever have is impacting a world for Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? I want to share with you this passage. The Bible says this in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, uh, or 19 through 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What is Jesus saying? We're all in this together. I'm gonna be with you. Don't you worry. I've, I've set the foundation for you. But now is the time right now for our church more than ever that we can never let up even though things may be slowing up. Uh, businesses may be opening up. Uh, this thing is not over. We've got to stay on mission and go. So what does that look like? I think for North Valley, it looks uh, like a couple of things. Uh, North Valley uh, needs to continue to go, to share and to show the love of Jesus Christ. How do we share the love of Jesus Christ? How do we make disciples in a time when you've got a social distance? I'll tell you how. You invite friends to be a part of the services. Uh, on a low estimate, there's about a thousand plus viewers that are viewing our, our messages online. The Bible teaching is the opportunity for a, somebody to become a student of Jesus, learn about Jesus, grow in Jesus, and get connected to a good church. If you find somebody that's uh, far off in another uh, state or another place, encourage them to get involved with a local church near them and get them online there. If they're anywhere within driving distance of our church, you invite those folks. You invite them online. One of the greatest ways that we can go right now is we can go to the laptop, go to the phone, send messages and say, I want to encourage you to join me to be a part of this service because you can trust there's biblical teaching, there's there's trustworthy teaching about Jesus and God's word in that. We can all do something, even a time of social distancing. 
Additionally, I want to encourage you to remind you that we need to continue to go and we need to show the love of Jesus Christ um, by doing good works. And you say, well, how's it going for North Valley? Well, the good news in 2019, as we look back, we delivered over 3,000 pounds of food to people in need. Well, guess what? We have perhaps a greater food need than ever before. Uh, Right now, around... um, Around the valley and around the communities around while school is is letting up, there are many kids, many families that won't be getting uh, food assistance. And we as a church need to address that and do that. While we delivered over 3,000 pounds of food this last year in 2020, if we get going with this, uh, we're going to deliver far more food than that to food insecure families. We need to go and show the love of Jesus Christ. Um, recently, uh, we've been doing a lot of different things. We've done backyard cleanups. We've delivered food supplies. Many of you have participated and contributed with our Here to Help initiative. I want to encourage you to join us in that. And then most recently, um, there's been this uh, great need as well for just uh, delivering food. Um, I want to encourage you to be a part of that. I want to be encourage you to join our, our drop-off, our drive-through food efforts that we're going to be doing and uh, uh, be a part of that. You can do that as a family and stay safe and stay strong. Additionally, we've helped folks that have needed financial assistance through our HOPE offering. This is incredibly important uh, as well. Um, When you give financially to our church through our HOPE offering, um, we have, by God's grace, been able to meet 100% of every legitimate request that has come in at some level or another. And so we are challenged by Jesus. As we think about uh, what it means to go, we're challenged to go and to share the love of Jesus Christ and to show the love of Jesus Christ. It's important that we, we um, do this together. It's not gonna be easy, but it's gonna be incre- incredibly important. The fourth thing that Jesus challenges us to do, Jesus commands his disciples to love one another. In John chapter 15, verse 17, he says, these, com- these things I command you so that you will love one another. In the passage that we've discussed today is the reality is that it's been mentioned multiple times, it's a command. Love is not a choice here, it's a command. He's not saying, I hope you feel, feel like it. He's saying, I'm commanding you to do it. It's a, it's a commitment that we make. Even in the marriage relationship, love is a choice that you make. It's a commitment that you make. Jesus is commanding his disciples to love one another. This idea of loving one another is all throughout the scriptures. And in the coming weeks, we're going to do a message series as well about better together. And we're going to look at all those one another passages. But Jesus is challenging us to love one another. And you might ask, well, what does that look like? Well, he'd said it multiple times. First and foremost, you need to know, he'd repeated it multiple times in, in preparation for his departure. John chapter 13, 34 through 35 says this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I want to tell you how important this is. Um, The church now, North Valley Community Church, needs each other. 
Um, we've got folks in neighborhood groups, but we've got more people that aren't. We've got folks uh, that uh, um, attend our regular services when the doors are open, and we've got folks uh, w- that are eager to come back. We've got folks that are scared to come back. And the reality is right now, uh, some people are, in, are uh, working from home, some people are going back to work, and there's a lot of uncertainty. And one of the greatest things that we can do right now is to show our love for one another. I pray that in this coming year, in 2020, and as we finish, finish this year out, is we are known in this time that we really cared and loved one another. People leave churches all the time because they say something like this, Man, I just didn't connect with people in the church. I appreciated you, uh, the, the other pastors and the staff, but I don't know about that congregation. I just didn't feel as loved. I want to tell you, that can't be us. We can't be that church. Jesus said that we would be known, that we would prove that we're disciples by the way we love one another. That means that we've got to follow in the example. It means not only should we reach out to share and show the love of Christ and go, but we've got to pause and be able to make sure that we take care of other believers to encourage them, to edify them, to build them up. John, 1 John three sixteen through 17 says this, we know that what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and our sisters. What does that mean? That means every day that you need to give up your life in some sense, that you need to make some sacrifices. It might be time. It might be energy. It might be service. But you and I, while, while, while we are challenged by Jesus's example, we need to realize that we are challenged to love others in such a way that it's going to cause us to give up our life in a sense. And that uh, is an incredible challenge for us as a church God is calling our church to be all in this together by living a life of service and sacrifice. My question is, will you? Will you be known for that? Will you help cultivate a reputation for our church in that? As we think about this, we're still all in this together. I want to share with you a story in closing. Recently, I got news from a pastor um, up in uh, the Navajo Nation uh, Pastor Leroy is his name. And I talked to him just today, and he shared with me about how early on when COVID-19 first came out, he and and his wife contracted the virus. Uh, He serves as an associate pastor of a church up there near Page or Lake Powell. And he, he and his wife uh, um, are ministry, or do ministry together uh, in a church by the name of the Navajo Mountain Alliance Church. You can look it up and start praying for them. But early on when this all broke out, he and his wife contracted the virus. And then soon after that, everybody in their household did. They have, uh, along with them, the total in their household, uh, they have five different uh, folks in their household. Uh, Pastor Leroy, his wife Sue, his son-in-law, his daughter, and his granddaughter, who's 17 years old and attends GCU. Everybody in the family got the virus. He explained to me how it worked and what all happened and described it as just incredible pain and challenge and isolation, anxiety, and physical uh, uh, hurt. And uh, I want to share with you that they've asked that we uh, 
help them. By God's grace, just this week, we found out that they have, uh, they've made it through it and that they are in the clear. But however, they've identified four families that are in great need in a very remote part of the Navajo Nation. There are other families as well, but these in this reservation, there are families that are so isolated, so far remote that it takes two to three hours to get to the nearest town. He shared with me about a story of one family in particular who um, um, has, has the family members have contracted the virus, they're quarantined, they made arrangements, they went to Flagstaff to try to get supplies just to show up, two to three hours, one-way trip, all the shelves are empty. And they've got no help. And so they need help. And so as a church, um, we have made contact with them through Steve and Priscilla Sutton on our elder team. And we are going to be working with this family and many other families like them to show the love of Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to be a part of that. When you contribute towards our food uh, drive-through, drop-off food drive, it's going to go to families like them. Um, we want to support Pastor Leroy and his wife as well. Um, when it says love one another, it means we've got to figure out how to love the body of Christ, love the church brothers and sisters in an incredible way because they can do such a great good too and they want to share that love to these families by helping them get the supplies that they need. So I want to encourage you to go online, go to the Here to Help page, start filling that thing out and join us so that we can all be in this together. Um, I wanna encourage you as well to realize that some of you might say, well, I can't drive through because I'm not in state or um, I've been tuning in online. I'm out of town for the whole summer. How can I participate? You can give financially. When you give to the hope offering, then that helps contribute to ensure that needs like this get met. Because you have given faithfully and generously to the hope offering, immediately we're working this week to go ahead and get supplies there, but we will run out. Additionally, we've been contacted by a local church who um, folks have uh, uh, had the contracted the coronavirus and they need their church to be cleaned and we're gonna be working with that pastor and those folks to make sure that that facility is all cleaned up. This is a real deal, ladies and gentlemen. And I wanna encourage you to remember, uh, even in this family, pray for this family, Pastor Leroy and his wife, Sue, they lost two members of their church to COVID-19. Um, and we as a church need to be known for being brave like these chaplains. And if we can't go for some reason or another and be there on those front lines, then we need to contribute. And we can contribute in prayer. We can contribute in financial giving. But the church is held responsible by our Lord and our master, Jesus Christ, to go. And we're held responsible to love one another. And we've got to do that. So I want to encourage you to do that. So before we head out, I want to just remind you of this. For those of you that have, would say to me, I, I don't know Jesus Christ, but I am intrigued in the mission. I want to join that kind of effort. Well, you need to know that Jesus Christ made the greatest sacrifice for you. You may be distant from God or run away from God for a very long time, but you need to know the Christian message is so different than every other religion. Jesus Christ died uh, for us while we were still sinners, the scripture says, that he sacrificed himself so that you might have a relationship with God. And he calls you a friend. And he calls us to join him in the effort to share and to show the love of Christ throughout the world. 
And if that's you, I wanna encourage you to pray with me just for a moment, would you? Heavenly Father, I pray right now with my friends that are watching this at any point in time, that if they're ready to start that relationship with you, that they would accept the greatest gift they could ever accept, that they would accept the greatest demonstration of love by accepting you. There's no other more heroic act ever done, ever, than the work that you've done. And Father, I pray that they would pray a simple prayer like this. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge my sin. I believe in Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin. I accept him as Lord. I confess him as my Lord and Savior today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, if you prayed that, I want to encourage you to let us know. Tell your friends, tell your family that you made that decision. You can do so by letting us know. You can simply uh, text NVS to 94090. I want to encourage you to do that. Text to the number that's on the screen uh, that phrase, and we want to help you get started in your journey. So, Friends, it's been great being with you. We're going to continue to worship uh, today. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.